1: You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.
2: I'm only on with you for 90 minutes, but there is so much to dive into. Not enough time to even listen to the, the entire opening hook. Of this song. All right, uh, let's dive into it again. A lot going on. Anita Marks with you for the next 90 minutes, leading into the Heat and uh, and Celtics tip off, which you'll be able to listen to right here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, we've got the the Mets in action. They take care of the Cards. Uh, they win seven six. Thank you so much, Pete Alonso. However, some uh, some concerning news when it comes to Max Scherzer. We'll start right there. We'll talk about the Yankees. They lose to the O's. Of course, uh, I immediately went to social media. Everybody is like, you know, Brian Cashman needs to go. <laughs> this team has the best record in Major League Baseball. But because they, le- they lose to the O's, um, Cashman has to go. Uh, I love it. You guys are crazy. Um, so we'll dive into that. We'll talk uh, Major League Baseball for the first 30 minutes of the show. Then we've got a very special guest who's going to be joining us. Um, Steve Valvet- Val- Valakhet from, of course, MSG, former Rangers goaltender, does a phenomenal job. Uh, with the broadcast on MSG, and has a really, um, you know me, I'm all about gambling, I'm all about statistics, and uh, and boy, does he hit it on, he doesn't just hit it on the head, he knocks it uh, out of the ballpark, no pun intended, I know we're talking hockey, uh, when it comes to Steve. So I'm excited to get him on the show. Um, as we know, unfortunately, the Rangers lost last night to uh, the Hurricanes, but they outplayed them, 40 of, of, of the 60 minutes. So we'll get his thoughts uh, analytically, how he thought that game uh, how that match played out and what his thoughts are for game two. Of course, we're looking forward to tomorrow. Uh, a lot of injuries. Not only Scherzer injured, but Chad Green, uh, he left the game early today. Got a four, four uh, forearm concern, forearm discomfort. Uh, you've got Tiger Woods, uh, who was uh, trying to make some noise in the second major of uh, the season on the uh, PGA Tour and unfortunately tweaked his foot. Uh, so he's plus four, a lot of injuries in and around. We're going to touch on everything, and I promise you the last 30 minutes of the show, we're going to get you locked and loaded, ready for that Heat-Celtics game tonight, game two, where we know that the Heat are already up on that series 1-0. But like I said, let's start right here with what's going on with the Mets. And again, hey, uh, great great game by the Mets, taking on the cards. They beat them 7-6. Uh, In the 10th inning, Pete Alonso two-run home run. Thank you so much for that added runner on second. I I know some people love it, some people don't. But nonetheless, uh, really the big news in that game, besides the fact that they won, is the fact that uh, Scherzer had to pull himself because of discomfort in his uh, left side yesterday. So MRI was done, and those results were revealed today. And he has an oblique injury And it looks like he's going to be out for a month, if not more. Some reports are saying four weeks. Some reports are saying six. Some reports are saying eight. On top of that, there's other reports out there that he's got blisters on his pitching hand. Okay. We've all had blisters. If we've all played sports, we know what that's like. They come and they go. Those will go away. Uh, But more importantly, uh, this is a, this is a Mets team that has been doing extremely well. 26 and 14 as they sit right now, Uh, they've won their last two. They're 13 and eight at home, 13 and six away. But now they're gonna be not with just missing one, but missing both of uh, and 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 both aces, let's be honest. DeGrom's an ace and Scherzer's an ace. So now what? Bassett's been doing great, pitched a little over six innings today, did give up nine hits, four runs, only three strikeouts. Uh, Carrasco, of course, Walker, McGill is on the I. L. Now what else what what else is going to have to happen for this Mets team to continue? Uh, to perform well, especially as we know their bats have been okay. You're right. Like Lindor really needs to step up now. There's no denying that. Bullpen has been solid. They've got to get better. Can't say much about Pete Alonso. you got to like what he's done this season, right? He's just not a power hitter anymore. Uh, He's a thinker at the plate, that's for sure. But really what happens now is a lot more pressure on this Mets team in all other areas um, to to step up and compete and contend and, and to continue to win some games here because I'll tell you what the Phillies uh, they're granted they're seven games back I know you're saying I need the Phillies we're worried about the Phillies yeah well listen they're going to get Bryce Harper back soon um, and you know a slow start to the season from for them but but they have turned it around as of late and so as we know just last week. They put Degrom. They changed they from the from the ten day IL to the sixty day. And and granted, a big reason why that move was made was uh, for roster reasons, not because there was a setback. And everything we're hearing about Degrom is that his latest uh, injury report um, checkup was a positive one. That everything's moving in the right direction, which is great. Uh, But you know the timetable for Degrom wasn't, isn't supposed to be until June, maybe mid to late June. We'll see. Does that timetable speed up now because of what's happened here with Scherzer? Possibly. Only time will tell. Uh, Is this a Mets organization that goes out and um, knee-jerk reaction? Pick up the phone. Castillo, possibly available. Montas, possibly available. Evaldi. These are guys that, you know, I, I recall we were talking about prior to the season starting. That might be available uh, from a number of ball clubs, but now what happens or in or around Major League Baseball, or just in or around sports, when an organization knows that another organization who's performing well, who wants to maintain that lead in their division in the National League East, what happens now? The Mets lose a lot of leverage, especially since Degrom is 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 out as well, and McGill. So, you know, what what can we realistically expect from this Mets? team to st- I, I think a number of things need to happen as I said bats have to come more alive Lindor the money he's getting paid he needs to perform better um, you know ov- obviously the bullpen has to step up a little bit more uh, and we'll, we'll see what happens in regards to his Peterson uh, come up from AAA from what I understand uh, that move more than likely is going to be made um, in, 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 in the next few hours. And, um, and that's where the, that's where the team sits right now. But uh, listen, it, it could be, it could be a lot worse, right? Like the Mets sitting here in the National League East, they've got a seven game lead on the Phillies. Uh, Marlins not too far behind as well as Atlanta. Bassett has been great again today. Not so fantastic, but pretty much all in all, majority of the season, big picture has been great. Carrasco as well. So you know this isn't this isn't I don't think this is a time for panic I don't want to use the word panic, but I I, I do believe we need to use the word concerned. And I, I'm I'm really intrigued to see a what moves uh, the front office makes, uh, who do they call up from AAA again? From what I understand, the last I've I've read it was is going to be it's going to be Peterson. Do they fast forward? Do they speed up Degrom's return? Um, or is it a, a sit and wait and see? You know. Um, who, wh- what, what area of this team responds to pick up the slack? And and the li- at least in my opinion, and uh, the last thing I want to see is this Mets team have a knee jerk reaction, and uh, and go out there is you know being very vulnerable and making deals that maybe they don't need to make right now. Uh, and, and having to pay a hefty price to other teams and other organizations, them knowing uh, just how badly uh, the Mets want to continue this tear that they're in in the National League East. 800-919-3776, the phone number. Uh, we're going to hear from uh, Buck in, in just a second, so stay, stay tuned for that. He did address the media today after the game in regard to Scherzer. Also, you've got a Yankees team. They lose to the O's today, and I, I know I know the loss... Is a lot more difficult to swallow because it is the Baltimore Orioles and they're just god-awful and they're okay with that They've been god-awful for over a decade and that's okay because uh, the Peter Angelos and in that family I lived there for four years. I worked for the man uh, My radio show that was on afternoon drive uh, From 2 to four thirty every day televised on his television station the Mid-Atlantic Sports Network for three years so I know what time it is with that organization. it's not about winning, it's about making money and they make money it''s it's It's, it's the way that major league baseball operates so um, so because it's that team against Yankees team who as we know, has the best record in, in major major league baseball they're sitting at twenty eight and ten right now um, I, I just I, I, I think this hurts a little bit more because it's who they lost to and not necessarily how they lost I mean Montgomery very, very interesting. Um, I just, I feel like, and it's not like he didn't get the run support. I mean, he did get six runs, but it really wasn't his his, his fault as to why, um, of course, the Orioles lost tonight, or this afternoon, five innings, seven hits, three runs, uh, gave up a home run, only three strikeouts, but it was really Litkey who, who gave up um, Santander, who, who came up to the plate, who's been just a, a, an absolute beast against the Yankees, um, Three-run home run, crushed it, 376 feet. And, um, and and that's really what sealed the deal for the Orioles. But again, like I said, I immediately went to social media, was curious, what are people saying? And Cashman was trending. Cashman's got to go. This is horrible. You know, he's, uh, <laughs> he short changes Judge, doesn't give Judge a new deal. And, and I could understand where Yankee fans are concerned right now. Judge is just absolutely crushing it. He's having an unbelievable season. In fact, I put more money down on Judge yesterday to win the MVP, the AL MVP this season, um, because a number of reasons. I mean, just obviously his swing, it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's a thing of beauty. Um, the short porch and the extra motivation. The fact that he didn't get a deal done with the Yankees. I get it. And the extra motivation to do well and to perform well. So when the season's over, and we just heard the little promo with Dave Rothenberg and Rick DiPietro, when the season's over, you know, there's going to be other teams that are going to come knocking. And the Yankees are either going to have to pony up um, or, or he's gone. So you got to love the way that Judge is playing, but you give, you give Aaron Hicks a seven-year deal. He's batting 196. Gallo's batting 176. Higgy's bagging one... Can we just marinate? I just... And, and, and I do want to go to a break because I want to well, come back and I want to take your calls. I want to hear from our fans, both talking Mets and Yankees right now. But marinating this for a minute, okay? It, because I, it, it's just... It blows my mind. Again, just Cashman getting absolutely destroyed. I understand the frustration of not working out a deal with Judge. I get it. I, I, I get why Yankee fans don't like Aaron Hicks, right? Oh, oh, oh for today... Three strikeouts 0 for 4, batting 196 on the season, Gallo batting 176. Higgy batting one sixty one. So you've got three starters immediately there in in the lineup for the Yankees that aren't even batting two hundred. And this is still a team that has the best record in Major League Baseball. How's that possible? How's that possible? we get back, I'll tell you how. 800-919-3776. Anita Marks with you here on this Thursday night. Got a lot going on, talking baseball right now. We'll touch a little bit on the Rangers. Again, unfortunately, they lose to the Hurricanes. Game two coming your way tomorrow right here on 98.7 ESPN. Got a big game two between the Heat and the Celtics tonight. Uh, And I will get you all ready for that game as well as we lead in to tip off at 8.30. Right here on 98.7 ESPN. Not a great day for Mets and Yankee fans. Not that Hey, Mets won. Pete Alonso, the hero. Yay. But concerning news when it comes to uh, Scherzer and some question marks on what to do. Let's listen in. This is Buck Showalter speaking to the media today.
3: Uh, very much like we did with Jake,
1: with uh, DeGrom, and uh, like we did with Trevor May, and like we've done without James McCann and Reed Foley, and probably missing a couple that you can remind me of. But... You know, it's a great opportunity for guys like we're talking about bringing in here. And we got some guys that will meet us in Denver and try to hold the fort. And we got some rough estimates about when we'll start to get some of these guys back. But usually the baseball throws you another curve somewhere along the way. You just keep uh, ducking and dodging and, and see if you can get to the end game.
2: So uh, I, I think Peterson is one of those guys that he's talking about that will meet them in Denver um, tomorrow Carrasco will go. Scherzer was uh, scheduled to pitch on uh, on Monday in San Francisco. We'll see again who steps up and takes his spot. Uh, Walker is uh, scheduled to pitch on Sunday. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. 919 As we get ready to take your calls, uh, we've got Ty and Jake who are produ- both producing the show and are both huge Yankee fans. Uh, so, so guys, here's, here's, I, I just, let me throw this out first. And I, I'm really curious to get your thoughts on this because again, Cashman just got destroyed. And I really think it was an over knee jerk reaction, overreaction with the fact that it's not just the Yankees lost. It's, it's at the, the Yankees lost to the Baltimore Orioles and, and just doing a deep dive into, cause I'm, I'm like, why are Yankee fans complaining? This is, this is a Yankees team, best record in major league baseball. Granted. Okay. Yeah. You know what? It stinks that they lost to the O's. Right, but they won the series three one. You know they got to get ready for the White Sox, and then oh by the way, the O's come back to come come to back ba- come to New York, okay, for a three game series. So I mean, you know, Yankees are sitting in a great spot right now, and they still have the number one record in Major League Baseball, considering that Hicks, Gallo, and Higgy are all batting under one ninety six. Why is that? Okay, so I did a dive. Okay two good defensive catchers. Now, listen, I get that they're not they're they're not offering anything offensively, but they're two very good defensive catchers. They call good games. This pitching staff has been great. This pitching staff has far exceeded at least my expectations. I want to assume yours. I think the move, moving Torres to second was obviously the right move. Rizzo has been great at first. Donaldson has been great at third. And I, at the end of the day, I, you know, and I, and I do I do criticize Cashman in that I, I would like to see him spend his dollars on the rotation as opposed to the lineup. But he's changed the formula here and he's enhanced the defense and he's also getting a real he's getting a more th- more than what we 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 bargained for with the pitching rotation. On top of the fact, oh by the way, when Stanton and Judge Are you know the beasts of the Northeast? um, This team is unstoppable. So I just don't, I don't, I don't get the kill Cashman today. But both of you are Yankee fans. Please fill me in. So I didn't
3: come across anyone killing Cashman. I did catch the tail end of of the K show, where there were some some Yankee fans out there just very critical of Aaron Hicks and you know this insistence on keeping him in the lineup, despite the fact that uh, I believe he's, what, two of his last 40, uh, clearly a, a guy who shouldn't be in the in the lineup right now. Maybe he needs a, a few days off. But w- what you have to realize, Anita, is uh, for better or for worse, that the Yankee fan base, and not everyone, like you can't account for everyone, but I would say a large portion of the fan base is looking at this season as it unfolds through the prism of, what the expectation is for October
0: and I I I was just gonna add on that I know it's not great that three of the 10 losses two of the Yankees season is to the Orioles but the Yankees are the only team in the league that have 10 losses so you have to look at the positive side it's still May it's still early yes losing to the Orioles isn't great but it's baseball it's gonna happen and like you said they won the series
2: so, and now I'm just gonna defend Hicks for a second, right? And and listen, by by far he is not my favorite player, right? Like I'm not sitting here, I'm not I'm not an an Aaron Hicks apologist. I'm not, but like keep in mind, like it's not always baseball. There's you know there, there there's a lot obvious, and, and I'm not talking down to anyone by any stretch of the imagination, and we all know this. Like there's more ways that a baseball player can contribute to an organization than just um just his at bats. I mean. You know, Aaron Hicks is a great, great outfielder, especially when he plays center. Um, he's got a great arm. Uh, I, I, I've watched him at the plate. He's got a good eye. He works the count. He gets walks. You know, th- there's, you know, there's, there's value. There's value in 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 other things he does. He might not be the 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 Aaron Judges and the Stanton's of the world, but he he does contribute just differently, and it doesn't scream off the page statistically.
3: And it also looks worse when, I mean, you mentioned uh, what Judge and Stan have been able to do, D.J. Lemayhews, all of these guys being so fantastic, um, the dichotomy between what that looks like versus what you're getting from Aaron Hicks makes it look worse for him as opposed to, it's almost like it would be better if the entire team were struggling offensively, so all of their batting averages were about the same there wouldn't be that much of a disparity. But with Hicks, um, I think there's a large enough sample size to see that, like, this isn't going to work as presently constructed. Now, he's a very talented player, and he does, you know, corral his his walk so he's able to get on base. And, you know, for an offense that can, can hit home runs like the best of them, that's very valuable. But I, I think the point is for Hicks, like, if this trend continues it's going to be a problem and and look you're right when you're 28 and 10 you've got the best record in baseball you've got the second best run differential i mean not not a lot to complain about if you're a yankee fan but there are going to be those you know the minutiae that you dissect just because again you 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 look at what's going to unfold in october and you just hope that these aren't uh, the flaws that are going to be a part of your undoing. So I think that's what the Yankee fan looks at. like. It's almost like you they're ignoring the regular season because they're already looking ahead to October and those types of matchups and, and what the expectations are as far as that's concerned. Eight hundred
2: nine 3776 Let's go to Sam in Marlboro. Sam, welcome in. How are you doing this evening?
0: Uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Great, great show as always, Anita. Like, I knew when you were on, it was going to be uh, engaging and, like, Really thought provoking, but I just with regards to Cashman, like li- listen, he's in a contract year already, so these things like they handle themselves. These people are just like looking for things to be angry at. And and by the way, like at the end of the you know the season, that's not going to be good enough. They have the best record in baseball, and they they need to you know win it all, and that's that's the pressure that comes with it. So I'm, I'm I tend to be an optimist. I think he's going to win and and cement his legacy, and they're going to talk and you you know new contract cashman will have the leverage as judge will as a free agent, as opposed to, you know, signing an extension. And I just want to point out to everyone, you know, it's against Yankee policy to sign extensions. They, they really hate doing it. I know it sucks, but like they, one of the rare times they did, I, I think Hicks, like if you could believe it. So, so um, and, and just to bring it all back, you know, like he, cashman's a free agent, his longest tenure GM, I think in the game. And um, we'll see what happens, you know, like we'll let the game speak for itself. It's, um, it's, a, it's going to, you know, they're going to make a business decision, you know? So, um, and thanks for having me on as always. Thank you.
2: You got it, Sam. You got it. I mean, yeah, I think that makes matters worse. You know, the Yankees, not only did they give uh, Aaron Hicks a seven-year deal, but in a fashion that they don't typically do uh, with, uh, with other players on the team. And of course, with uh, the way that the uh, negotiations went down with, uh, with Aaron judge and, and how it, it was, revealed uh, what the Yankees were offering him. It was just a big mess before the season. We know it. Uh, quick break. We come back. We're going to dive into the Rangers. Unfortunately, again, they lost to the Hurricanes last night, but they outplayed them for at least 40 minutes. What do, Does that stand for something? That, does that give you hope for game two tomorrow? Uh, we'll break that all down next here on ninety point seven ESPN. We've got Rangers. And Hurricanes, not only here on 98.7 ESPN, but MSG will have a half an hour pregame and an expanded one hour postgame show for every Rangers second round telecast. Pregame coverage of game two will get underway tomorrow night at 730 on MSG Network as well. Um, So Steve Velikhet joins us now. Steve, I know this is the first time that you and I have had an opportunity to talk. Um, I, I, I shared with a few friends that you were going to be on the show, and everybody just uh, speaks volumes. Um, you've, you've got a ton of fans. Uh, obviously, former Rangers goaltender, uh, but also, uh, you know, your work with analytics is, uh, has, has just been tremendous. So we're thrilled to have you on. How are you doing this evening?
1: Anita, thank you for the boost. Uh, I'm in a strip mall here in Fairfield, Connecticut, waiting for my son to get out of baseball practice. I'm glad to join you.
2: No, oh, well, you know, Mets might be uh, in need of a pitcher. What's his What's his position?
1: Uh, he's a pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> you,
2: you never know. know. You never know, Steve. His father
1: was a goalie. You know how it goes.
2: <laughs> I do. I do. All right. Let, let's Let's dive into the Rangers. You know, it's It's really unfortunate that they uh, they lost to, uh, to to the Hurricanes because uh, anybody who watched that game, you knew. Uh, They really outplayed them for 40 of of the 60 minutes that we saw in the three-plus periods. Uh, But uh, I I thought it was interesting. I I follow you on social media, and I saw your analytics in regard to the scoring chances uh, between what, what took place in the first and second period compared to the third in overtime. Why don't you share with us, dive into that. I think that will really show just how great the Rangers played even though they lost.
1: Yeah, it was dominating. I'll tell you what, I haven't seen a wild swing like that all season long through the regular season or in the first-round series versus the Pittsburgh Penguins where the Rangers uh, in periods one and two had allowed 0.23 expected goals, which means uh, the opposition has no chance to score. And you get into periods three and four, and they actually gave up uh, more than a game's worth in one period. I mean, any of this never happens, okay? It was completely absurd. And, you know, to look back on it today, I wasn't any happier this morning than I was leaving the studio last night. I'll tell you what, it really felt like one of those games ever since uh, I've been a teenager playing professional hockey and all those years where you feel like that one game, game one can sometimes come back and haunt you, and I hope that's not the case with this series. But it really felt like a missed opportunity last night in Carolina.
2: Yeah, I know. you you hear that phrase, right? Uh, got a bad bounce. Uh, well, I, I don't know. What do you say with with a hockey puck, right? Um, I, I just I, I just think it was a really bad. Two really bad set of circumstances, um, and and unfortunately, again, it was a game that the Rangers should have won. They didn't. But you've been there, so I, my question to you is how does how does this the, how does how does this team bounce back from a loss like that? You said you've never seen anything like this before takes you back to when you were a teenager. How does the team regroup, refocus, and come in against a team who right you
1: know what it is too it's you have to know when to have the right support from the coaching staff and I was really fortunate when I was a Ranger. we had a goaltending coach by the name of Benoit Ay. And what Benny would do, Anita, was he would take a very positive clip. You doing it very well, he'd show you not doing it well, and then back that up with you doing it well again. And that, the way that he sandwiched the video together really kind of drove home the point, but also the learning. When I went over the video this morning from last night's game, I saw just a tremendous first and second period, one where the back checkers were coming back so quickly that the defenseman could stay up. There was uh, what coaches would refer to as five on a die. So imagine the five on a, die, on, a, on a die. You can see the forward, the winger, middle defenseman, everybody was stacked in front of the nets. The rebounds were uh, not something of any problematic uh, circumstance where the team was coming up the ice together. Every shot on goal, it was either smothered or kept. And the whole thing about Carolina's offense is they shoot to create. They shoot for volume to then start their offense. And it's, it's kind of a funny way to build it. They're very unique that way. First shot on goal, they're not even trying to score on it. They're actually just bumping off the goaltender to put it in the corner and then recover it themselves and then try and set up their next play. So they can have really long moments of offensive zone time. They're not playing the game off the rush. They really want to set up an offensive zone play. So they're difficult to defend against when they get going. But the Rangers just didn't let them start that in the first and second period Whereas in periods three and then early stages of overtime, just couldn't stop them, and uh, it was a hurricane.
2: Steve, let's let's talk about Shesterkin. Uh You know, I, I was I was hosting my Sunday show prior to Game Seven at at um, the Garden, and was just talking about how that game could have been you know, a career defining in regard to his legacy. I know he's very young. He's got a very bright future ahead of him, but just the significance, what an unbelievable performance that was. He was terrific last night as well. Um, your, your thoughts yeah. on Shesterkin and uh, and how you think he's going to do for the remainder of the series.
1: So as I was saying that Carolina plays a certain way offensively, it really suits Igor Shesterkin's style because of the way that he is flexible the way that he reads the play the way that he scrambles and he has great technique and all of those things uh really add up to a goalie that's very available on rebounds so when you shoot on him to try and get it back uh over the last two years Igor has the highest safe percentage in the league on rebounds and specifically what Carolina is trying to do is they are trying to deflect the puck in most cases as well from the point shots on the goalie just to bounce it back and then get secondary offense And they led the league in deflections. And then I'm looking at Igor Shosturkin's pre-scouts and everything. Well, he's got the best safe percentage on deflections, and he gives up the fewest rebounds. I'm like, this is probably a really good fit for him. Uh, He probably thought he was going to be a lot busier in the first two periods last night. And it was just bizarre. I don't think it's going to be the case in game two tomorrow night. I think Carolina is going to come out just like they did in period three. And I think that Igor is going to have to steal the game. Igor is probably going to have to steal two games in the series for the Rangers to win. It would be great, and it makes every team just a little bit more confident coming home after a split on the road. When you start on the road, you're aiming for a split. If you win game one, then you just get selfish and try and take game two. But there's a good chance the Rangers, with and on the backs of Shesterkin tomorrow night, can get this thing even.
2: Steve Veliket joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. You can see him all over MSG, of course, doing a phenomenal job uh, with the pre and the post. Six former Rangers are on this team now for for Carolina. A little added motivation, a little added... um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Not necessarily revenge, but a little bit more juice added in this rivalry because... there's, There's six? Yeah.
1: You know, just the way it is, right? Like... You move around during your career, uh, six great players, too. And and last night, Auntie Ranta, their goaltender, too, Anita, mm-hmm. he was here, and he was tremendous for two or three seasons. He was really good under Henrik Lundqvist. He was tremendous in the first two periods, too. That's one thing we can't take away from what we said about the Rangers maybe not being able to finish or Carolina being a little asleep in the first two periods. Uh, Auntie Ranta stole the show. There was... There was one play with about five minutes left where Philip Heidel was in front of the net. The puck came across, and he was about to one-time the puck in, and out of nowhere, a foot came and arrived. Now, one of the positives with the Rangers has been the young guys. They've really been playing well. Lafreniere, Kako, Heidel. You'll you'll hear a lot of the fans talk about the young guys and the kid line. Well, they were dynamic again. They were the Rangers' best line, and that's good news and bad news for the team. But the good news is that Heedle scores in the first period, seven minutes into the game, on a great pass from Lafreniere. But there's also another save here that we're talking about at five minutes left in the first from Ranta. And it's, it's funny, though, because I'm reviewing this over again this morning, and you have a young player in this moment, and they have that sense of urgency to shoot right away. And on this particular play, unlike the first goal that he scored where he had to rush his one-timer and beat the goaltender to space, on this one, there was a lot of time. There was a massive breakdown. There's a lot of space, and on this one play, had he stalled it for a quick second and then lifted the puck and elevated over Ranta, it's a different game. It's two nothing instead of one nothing at the end of the first period. Ranta makes a miraculous save. And what I heard about him too from the Boston series was that when Boston went into Carolina, they were all over the Carolina Hurricanes in the first. And halfway through the second period, but Ronta stole two or three from them, and they never recovered. In the game, never settled in in their favor. And I felt like that was a part of it as well last night in Carolina for the Rangers.
2: Steve, last one for you, Gallant, up for uh, Coach of the Year, as we know, coaching the third youngest team in 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 the league, scored over a hundred points. Of course, now they're part of the final eight. I think really deserving. Not to take anything away, you know, I understand that kind of like the puck rolled their way with uh, Sidney Crosby being injured and in the goalie situation with the Penguins. But I just – I, I love the way that Gallant was there to kind of um, really rejuvenate the team when they were down and had to come back from behind in the series. Uh, he's, he's got my vote. I, I'm just automatically assuming he's got yours.
1: Yeah, you know what it is, too? It's uh, it's experience, right? I mean, he's been through it. And uh, one of the things he's seen before is he's, he's seen his own players get eaten up in matchups sometimes. It happens. And in the early part of the series, uh, Sidney Crosby's line uh, with Gensel and Rust, they were really outworking, outchancing, and even to a certain degree embarrassing was the Banachad line. But, you know, he sticks with it in Game 7, and, and Mika has a great Game 7. And it just shows you that the players care deeply for this guy because they know they've got a second chance with him when it doesn't go right the first way. I, I mean, I understand that the players have earned that and they've made their deposits into that account during the season. But he allows you to get a second opportunity. He was a player. He's He's been a very successful coach in the NHL for a long time. And I think the players just uh, – it was a breath of fresh air for them this year, uh, knowing that one mistake isn't going to have their butt stapled to the bench. And nobody's barking at them on the bench. He's uh, He's got a very – look behind the bench and he'll, he'll let you know, but he's not in your ear. And any player will tell you the worst thing you can have is a coach just in your ear after every shift because when you get back out on the ice in this game that's moving so fast, and Anita, when you watch it at game, speed from television, that's one thing. When you watch it from up top live, that's one thing. But when you get down to the glass and you see how three-dimensional uh, this game is and how quickly it becomes violent – And when you have somebody in your ear on the bench, you can't help but get on the ice and have conflict. And you can't think straight. And I know that this guy's been great for uh, everybody on the ice that way and everybody's just played. They had 12 players in the year this year. They had career years. You know, that that says everything you need to know about what the coaching staff has been like, and that's backed by uh, Gerard Gallant's culture.
2: It's uh, futures. It definitely seems extremely bright for this franchise. If they don't get past Carolina, that's for sure. Uh, Steve, so appreciate your time. I hope your son crushed it tonight and uh, we look forward to seeing you. T- we look forward to seeing you tomorrow on, on MSG network.
1: Hey, Anita, anytime. Thanks for having me on. Have a great show.
2: You got it. You got it. I highly recommend you follow Steve on social media again. Uh, not only he is uh, works for, for the garden uh, covering, of course, the Rangers, but has his own analytics company. And, uh, and he really puts out some really great, somebody like me, who's, You know, not extremely savvy or savvy at all when it comes to hockey, let's be honest. Um, It's uh, really helped me prepare uh, for the series, that's for sure. Again, just a reminder, MSG Network, they'll have a half-an-hour pregame show and an expanded one-hour postgame show for every Rangers second-round telecast. And the pregame coverage of Game 2 will get underway tomorrow night at 730 30 on MSG Network. Anita Marks with you. We'll continue with your calls. I see you, Massey. Uh, you will be first up. I know you want to continue to talk about the Yankees as unfortunately they lost to the O's today, 9-6. To um, also, don't forget, with you until uh, another 45 minutes, with you until 8.30 tonight, going to get you really ready for that Heat the, the Heat and the Celtics game that tips off right here on 90, 98.7 ESPN at, uh, at 8.30. I've got some picks and plays for you as well. So, uh, a lot more coming your way. Nita Marks with you, 98.7 ESPN. We're talking Yankees. Massey, you've been so kind to uh, hang tight uh, while we talked Rangers with Steve for a hot second. But welcome in. How you doing this evening?
4: Good, good, Anita. Huge fan. Um, oh, always listen you. to you. I want to say you're one of the best fantasy analysts, and I always listen to you, so I thank you for that. Um, I wanted to get my point about the Yankees. I'm just so tired. I'm a huge Yankee fan. I'm just so tired of listening to Yankee fans freak out every time we have a loss. Um, I actually called and talked to Don and Peter when we had lost that first series of the season with the Oreos, mm-hmm. and I just told everybody to relax. And look what we have done so far. I think as far as the team goes, we're going to lose. with baseball. and any given day, anybody can lose. This is not like any other game where, yes, the best team always is going to win that game like football. So I think we're in a great position. I think people need to relax with Hicks. It's early in the season. People forget that he's coming off a major injury. It will take some time for him to kind of settle in and get that eye back and get the walks. With him, it's always been a high percentage on base guy who can run, be a great center fielder for us. We don't need another judge. We don't need another set-in. We have more than enough people that hit and score for us. Um, I just think we all as Yankee fans need to take a deep breath. I get it. It's all about the championship. But it's been a long time since we won the division. All I care about for them is to finish first, win the division, and we'll take care of the playoffs when the playoff comes. I think that's the first step. Um, I wanted to know what your thoughts are on, on that
2: um thanks for the phone call and thanks for the compliments massey i appreciate it um yeah listen I, this is what i said a second ago and and, and we discussed it with uh, our producers uh jake and ty who are who are yankee fans just like you massey and that is slow your roll i uh, and and you know again you know I, i'm just it's it's i'm a creature of habit and you know tiger woods injured himself today um at the pga Championship. So immediately I go to social media. Immediately I go to Twitter. I want to. I want to hear. I want to see what a what is being reported. B, uh, what what fans are are saying. Same thing. Yankees lose the Orioles. Oh no. Uh oh. Sky's falling. Let me go to social media. And first thing you know, you go to what's trending, and there was Cashman. I said, up. I knew exactly. I knew exactly what was coming went and just looked at the threads and uh, Cashman's got to go this is horrible and again I, I think this is compounded by who not not the fact that the Yankees are going to lose games I mean this is a long season and I think it's unrealistic as well to think that judge and Stanton are going to continue to hit the snot out of the ball for you know the the, the entire season I think it's unrealistic to think that uh, there's not going to be some injuries here it's a long it's too, I think it's too long. That's a whole other argument for another show. But nonetheless, um, you know, th- there's, there's an ebb and flow to, to a, a, a baseball season. And right now, the Yankees are on a high. Even though they lost to the Orioles today, they're still on a high. And, um, and there's going to be some lows. But I, I just a lot of times I, I think we, we just we're in this microcosm where we're constantly looking at like home runs and RBIs and batting average and there's other things that players and major league baseball players can do that contribute to a team that are extremely valuable. Maybe not as valuable as hitting a home run every game or two home runs every game. All right. Um, but you know, what Aaron Hicks brings to the defensive side of this team especially in the outfield um is is important the fact that he's got a good eye he does a great job working the count and he gets walked so now he's on base for that rbi or that two run home run as opposed to just a one home run um gallo as well solid in left field um you know again I know you know you, it's it's not like the Yankees have two catchers that are um Jorge Posada or anything like that but they're they're still very two very good not one but two very good defensive catchers they call good games there's there there are positives here it's just the positives aren't as se- you know what it is the positives right Ty Jake the positives aren't as sexy right like Stanton and Judge are sexy, right? They get out there, they hitting home runs to a game. You know, Garrett Cole dealing. It's not what Hicks or Higgy or Gallo or, on occasion Rizzo. I know he has cooled off a little bit. What they contribute isn't sexy. I don't but know it's, if it's still, I don't know if it's. But so it's sexy still important. It's still important.
3: But I, I, I reject the idea that it's not as sexy. I think it's that there is a. <laughs> Maybe I'm using the wrong word for you. <laughs> it, no, there's a there's a portion of the fan base that wasn't in love with what transpired this past off season, in pursuit of the Yankees trying to get back to the World Series for the first time, in 13 years. So anything that can serve as confirmation bias, they're going to utilize as as ammunition. So when you have the hot start, the 28 and 10, it's, there's always going to be a yeah, but uh, come October is this team going to be able to perform because we've seen them have amazing regular seasons only to be met, you know, by outstanding pitching pitching in the playoffs and fall short of expectations. Uh, a la 2018, 2019 and then last season as well. So I think the Yankee the Yankee fan like a lot of people can appreciate and recognize that what's what's going on is, is special and, and you know it's fun, but it's different from the Met fan, right? Like the Met fan comes into this this year with expectations. You can enjoy the regular season because you get to the playoffs and, and whatever how many however many rounds you win, that's deemed a success. Whereas the Yankee fan, it's like yeah, seen that, done it before. It's all about winning a championship. So I think that's what it ultimately comes down to. Uh, I'm not gonna say for every Yankee fan. I just want to you know reiterate it's just a portion of the fan base that feels that way.
2: Uh, we are uh, we are about to uh, embark onto hour number two, and we're only with you until eight thirty tonight because again, uh, we're taking you right up to the uh, the heat and, and the Boston Celtics tip off that you'll be able to listen to right here on ninety eight point seven ESPN, and we're going to do a deep dive into that game for the last thirty minutes of the show. But some other news that happened today. First and foremost, we're in the second leg of our um, our our major for in the golf season, and that is the PGA Championship taking place in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Rory put on a clinic today, uh, probably one of the best performances, uh, top three ever in the history of golf, uh, for a dude who was just crushing it off the tee. He was averaging three, 320 off the tee. I wanna say one of his drives were 369. He hit 10 of his first 14, um, 10 10 of 14 or 10 of 16 fairways. It, It was just, it was dumb. It was ridiculous. It was so impressive. And so he's at the top of the leaderboard at, at at five under. Willie Zalatoris is right behind him at four under. Justin Thomas um, is back there as well at three under. So it's uh, you got Shoffley two under, Cameron Smith at two under. So you got some big names that are up there. This is typically a tournament that if you start strong, uh, chances are more times than not you're you're going to be in it to win it on Sunday. So it's a really really big day for Rory. But I've buried the lead, and that's the fact that Tiger Woods, plus four today, he shot a 74, started sh- strong. He was two under through four, and then on 18, because he started on 10. So let's just say eight holes in, his second shot, um, he pulled into the sand, and, um, and he started limping. And right there, so he tweaked his right leg, the leg, of course, that had the compound fracture in the car accident we saw. He then bogeyed the next two holes. So no bueno for, uh, for Tiger Woods. Um, He only hit 7 of 18 greens. He only had 2 of 6 sand shots, sand saves, I should say, and only 4 of 11 scrambling opportunities. So it was really a horrific uh, end of the day, last 9 holes for Tiger Woods. Again, plus 4, 74 today. Now keep in mind, back in 2007, he was 6 shots back. Tiger Woods has won the PGA Championship 4 times. And back in 2007, he was 6 shots back. And shot a 63 on Friday to come back and win it. Uh, chances are, of course, we know that's not going to happen. My biggest concern is that um, is that he might have to withdraw tomorrow if uh, if if the therapy I'm sure he's he's going through even right now as we're speaking. Um, doesn't doesn't uh, do well for him this evening. That's what I'm just worried about. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that he doesn't withdraw because let's be honest, anytime Tiger Woods is in a tournament, especially a major, uh, that's huge. Um, also, you've got the uh, the Giants. Uh, they uh, concluded OTAs today, and uh, Brian Dable spoke to the media, talked about Daniel Jones as well. We'll touch on that this next hour um, because he said some interesting things. And also, uh, you've got James Bradbury now, unfortunately, cut by the Giants because of Dave Gettleman and Cap Hell. Guess what? Signs with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and not a lot of cap. They needed uh, about $11 million. And now, don't sleep on this Eagles team now. So, so we'll, we'll dive into some Giants talk as well in the last 30 minutes of the show. Quick break. We come back. Let's talk some NBA. Get you ready for Heat Celtics next here on ninety point seven ESPN. Game two. The Heat up. As we know, they won game one for a number of reasons. Al Horford, not available. I said, Al Horford might, might not be the straw that stirs this drink. We know that that's Tatum, right? Uh, but um, he definitely is that uh, syrupy blueberry that uh, sits on the bottom of your old-fashioned that makes it really, really special. Uh, but there's some good news for the Boston Celtics tonight, and that is Horford is going to be available. So that is huge, okay? Also, Marcus Smart is expected to play as well. Marcus Smart's been dealing with a foot issue. Neither of them, neither, neither of them played in game one. Um, So they are both expected to be back, which is huge. Um, Now, Derek White is out because of a personal reason. And again, Ty producing the show. Ty, um, you're reading that it's because of the birth of his son.
3: It says child. I don't. I don't know what the uh, gender oh, okay. is, but it's just ch- okay. a child.
2: So the the, the birth the, I mean the birth child. of his of his child. Um. So he will not be there. And Derek White, I, I feel was a really big really big get for them at the trade deadline, and definitely uh, helped them on the defensive side of the ball. And listen, we can we we can argue. Who's the best defensive player? What team, what team is the, be, the best defense here? You, you can make an argument for the Heat. You can make an argument for Boston. You can make an argument for the Mavs, especially how they shut down the Suns in game seven. You, you know, it's just really, and, and I don't think enough is being discussed about how um, the common denominator here with a number of these teams, these that, that now, of course, have, even the Golden State Warriors, all four teams have excellent defense. And and Derek so Derek White not being there for me. Listen again, he's not the straw, far from it. He's not even the, the syrupy blueberry either. But um, but he's a cog, and uh, and and he's a really big part of of how they play defensively. He doesn't even start, but when he does come in, um, you know, one of the strengths for Boston is their bench, and so their bench gets weaker. That's for sure. Um, so I. I uh, now, Ty, before, before we move on to really kind of breaking down the X's and O's, I know you have a hot take I'm, here. I'm
3: nervous about this.
2: <laughs> okay, do, do you want to just skip it? You can.
3: I, what do you think?
2: Well, let's. how about we preface? How about we preface I by th- saying... I think
0: you can't bring it up on air and not do it. So I think Ty should just... You can't do that to the listening audience.
3: I'm, I'm nervous about how it's going to be received. Because okay, let has- me... How about
2: this? How about... I'll preface. Let me just say that Derek White... Is not going to be in attendance tonight because of the birth of his child again. I just immediately I just assumed it was a boy. I'm sorry Um, We don't know the gender. We also don't know is he not in attendance because There's complications with the pregnancy. Is he not in attendance because of something uh, very serious or not? We are assuming that that's not the case We're assuming that that's not the case. It's just, hey, my wife's having a baby. My family, the birth of my child is more important than anything on the planet. So I am not going to be um, active and attractive for the Boston Celtics in game two being down one in the series. What's your hot take?
3: (laughs) All right. So assuming that's like not on the table, as you just mentioned, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not a health situation. My hot take is that if you are a professional athlete, you, you, without question, have to be better about your timeline when it comes to um, engaging in uh, behavior that could lead to your your spouse, your wife, or what have you, giving birth during a playoff series.
2: So really what you're saying, Ty, is that basketball players should be... Um, on
3: high alert. So like if you do the math... This abstinent. <laughs>
2: you're saying that basketball no. players should be abstinent in the month of September. <laughs>
3: Not abstinent. Uh, Maybe you can just not go... um,
2: Pull a Bridgerton? Yes. Is that... You can can
3: kind of, like, you know, when you you know when to call off the dogs, if you will. Like, just understanding... Wait, let me
0: get this straight, Ty. So, first, we're asking the NBA players to be in a bubble without anyone. And now we're telling them when... You know what? The NBA is going to have no players in about five to ten years if we keep this up. It's not
3: just the NBA. It's the NFL, Major League Baseball, hockey. And again, but here, this is, here's, I, but here's. I'm half joking, obviously,
2: but obviously, obviously you Derek, are because a few, a, a few things. Ty, number one, as in and, and, and we we talked about, it. you know, Derek White isn't a starter. Granted, again, he started uh, last when,
3: game for you know Marcus Smart well, was out. Well,
2: he had to, he had to. Horford and Marcus Smart are are, are back, so He's he a he pipe. wasn't. He's a key. He, piece I know, on this I team. said that, I said he was one of my favorite gets for the Boston Celtics at the trade deadline. I, I, I and I still believe that, right? So, but. How many times do we have hear this story? Oh, this player is not going to be there because of the birth of their child. And and how many times does that team still win? It's it's not like there's this overwhelming majority of um of of games that are decided where a player doesn't Play and 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 that team loses. It's not like oh well, you don't you know ninety percent of the t- time that a player you know decides to go you know be in attendance for its, its 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 child's birth, the team loses. We we don't have that stat out there.
3: Yeah, and look, we you know it just happened in the Super Bowl with uh, Van Jefferson that his his wife went into labor like during the game. Um and, and and they had a a, a a child a son I believe he they named him Champ actually and they went on to win the Super Bowls which is pretty cool, but yeah you gotta gotta be better about when you plan it you know to get your business done. You, know, you <clears throat> You're can't so be funny. out here missing. This is the biggest game of the season, mm-hmm. and again this is not directed at Derek White because you know we, we're hoping for <clears throat> like a, a healthy delivery and, and all of that, but it's the biggest game of the season. And you're you're optimistic, and your team's down one. Oh, it's it's a tough situation to be in. It's a it's a very tough situation to be in. So you gotta uh, be a little more responsible. You're so funny. You're so funny. <laughs> in Just you no know, abstent, ab in September.
2: Absence, absence in, in September. Call out right. the dogs. So so the Mi- the Miami Heat are favored by three. The over under here is two oh eight. I, I do like the under here. Let's get that out of the way. Uh, both these teams, again, you can argue all four teams still remaining in the postseason. You can argue have uh, four of the best defenses in the NBA uh, Two on the court tonight. So two very good defenses and two teams that pay, play a slow pace of offense. So I like the under at 208 and I'm on the heat side here. Haven't the heat have not lost at home since March marinating that for a minute. I, I there's just, and, and it's, and it's biz- And just, if you're listening to me, maybe this is the first time you're hearing me. I'm from Miami. I'm from Miami. I'm from the 305. Um, like, it's just to, 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 to <laughs> fans in Miami are, and, and, and I'm going to include me in this, right? Like, like, we're horrible. Like, we don't even show up in time. You watch heat games? Nobody shows up in time. Uh, every, we're always late. And, and sometimes we won't, you leave early. We leave early, even if you're even if you're winning. We leave early, like hey, thanks. You know, we want to beat the traffic or got to get to South Beach, got a reservation. Big, like big you know, fans. oh man, it's we're horrible. Well, we're horrible. Rem- do
3: you remember? Um, <laughs> we are horrible. The Ray, the Ray Allen shot in in 2013, the finals, game six. Um, right before the shot, there were there were a Heat so-called fans leaving the arena. Ray Allen ties the game. It goes to overtime, and they were trying to get back in. But security were, you know, they were not letting them back into the building. So
2: that's, not, a, that's
3: always going to be a moment that uh, you remember down there at the American Airlines Arena.
2: Yes, I do. Not only that, but the Spurs have, had already put a ton of champagne yeah. in their locker room. They the, put the, the guardrail the Spur- up. Like, the guard up. They put the guardrail up. They had the champagne in the locker they room. They were
3: wheeling out the Larry O'Brien trophy.
2: Oh, they were ready.
3: Fans were exiting the arena.
2: Oh, they great. were ready but uh but anyway I, again it's just it just blows my mind that Heat have such like great home court advantage but they do last night they shot 48% from the field 36% from downtown they uh, they dominated they owned the third quarter that's really what sealed the deal it's very interesting both the Heat and what we pay attention to the Heat and the, the the Golden State Warrior games they put so much emphasis in the third quarter it's like it's like they play this, this like very give-and-take, give-and-take, give-and-take basketball for the first half, feel, feel their opponents out, right? Don't get too down. They, they don't necessarily get too up. They go in at halftime, and they come out, and they just, they, and, and that's great coaching. That's Eric Spolstra. That's Steve Kerr. It's great coaching. They come out, and they dominate the third quarter. Heat went 39-14, and 14. okay? Jimmy Butler, 41 points. This is a team, this defense, they had 12 blocks, 10 steals. Now, on the opposite side, granted, listen, no Horford, no Marcus Smart. They had a long series against the Bucs. Um, they had one day to rest, turn around, get on the road, go out to the heat. They missed 43 shots, the Boston Celtics, to get in game one. 43. 23 of those 43 from four from downtown, okay? And, of course, like I said, they were missing two of their starters. So, you know, I, I could understand, like, they, they turned the ball over a lot. They were out-rebounded. They they just they didn't have their legs underneath them. I, I really think that it was it was a hard turnaround for them, and I get it. So a part of me is, you know, I, I'm, I'm teetering here, right? Because the Boston Celtics, what we saw in game one, they are so much better than the team we saw in game one. But at the same time, the Heat are so good at home, and they had such a great rest advantage. They had a four-day rest advantage. Jimmy Butler is just so spry. He's so dialed in. He's, so, he's on a mission. He's, just, he's on a mission. And so I'm going to lay the points with the Heat tonight. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay the points with the Heat. I'm going to lay the points, minus three. I'm going to play the under at 208.
1: You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.